Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. So this morning I have a little bit of a sermon illustration. Um, I don't often do sermon illustrations because they be, can be distracting, as I can see from some of you, and they can be a, a little bit gimmicky. And that's not—I'm about the word. I'm not about gimmicks, but but I want this point to stick this morning. And I can also believe sermon illustrations can um, help things stick. So Zach's helping me out this morning, and uh, it's warming up. Z- Zach's going to be doing some stuff over there. I don't know if you can see, uh, it's got a couple steaks there, a couple, what is it, it's bone-in ribeyes from Harder House, and they've been marinating for a while, um, and uh, they should be delicious, and uh, there's, there's two, I guess one for me and one for Zach, he says he'll share with me, because I need one and a half probably, um, today we're talking about food. Which is another reason why we're having dinner on the grounds today. Um, but as you know, it's, this is actually going to be about Jesus. I'm saying it's about food. It's going to be about Jesus. Just wait and see. If we're in Luke, and this is something I've preached so many times in here that some of you are probably tired of hearing about it. Um, but here we go again. In Luke, the fifth chapter, you know the story by now. And if you don't, um, you will. Here's what happens. Doesn't that, doesn't that sound so good? And that's another reason. The only way I can get away with this this morning is to feed you here. Because the smell is going to get you, right? Yeah. <laughs> Walmart, give out the little samples. Um, so here's what happens. This guy named Simon Peter, he's out in his boat. There's a guy named Jesus that he's never met before. Gets up and preaches. And then he turns to Simon Peter. And he's like, hey, let's catch some fish. And what does Simon say? Ain't no fish to catch. We've been doing this all night long. He says, let's do it again. And so he does. And what happens? You know the story, right? He pulls in more fish than he can handle. They have to get another boat. They're trying to pull in all these fish. Almost capsizes both the boats. They get him to shore. Simon's like, oh my goodness. You need to get away from me because I'm sinful and you're definitely, like, I don't know what you are, but you're definitely different than what I am. And Jesus makes a statement. He says, follow me. And this is in in, uh, Luke chapter 5. Let's read it in verses 10 and 11. And it says that James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the Simon Spars, they were with him. And then, Simon, or then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishers of men or you will fish for people. So it says they pulled their boats to shore and they left everything to follow Jesus. They left the biggest catch of their lives to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So they could fish for men. And this morning I thought about using fish for this, but fish kind of stink. Yeah, I was like, that would be the worst of an illustration, not the best, because it kind of smells good, but then some people are like, Vroom. and I'm like, no, we're not going to do that. 
What's crazy is, and we know this story, and like I said, you guys have heard me preach this before. Fast forward three years. Simon Peter has now been around Jesus for three years. He's seen miracle after miracle after miracle. He's seen Jesus sit down with religious people. He's seen Jesus sit down with tax collectors and sinners. He's seen all this stuff happen. He's actually gone with Jesus. They've been fishing for people, right? Jesus dies on a cross. He rises from the dead and appears to them. It blows their mind. And then they're back to life as normal. Where's Jesus? We're not hanging out with him anymore. He's just from the dead, but we don't know where he is. It's kind of awesome, but what do we do? So they go fishing. And while they're fishing, they catch nothing, just like the original story three years earlier. And, and Jesus, he, he shows up and says, what y'all doing? And they're like, fishing? We ain't caught nothing. He's like, cast your net on the other side. And they haul in this load of fish. And that's when John realizes it is the Lord. And so what does Simon Peter do? He grabs his stuff and says, I don't care about the fish. I don't care about you jokers. He jumps in the sea and swims for Jesus. And when he gets there, what it tells us, and don't, you don't have to go there, but in John 21, it says that when everyone else finally caught up to Simon Peter on the shore, when they had landed, it says they saw a fire of burning coals and there were fish on it. Jesus had prepared a little fish and some bread. And Jesus said, bring some of the fish you've just caught. And I can't help but think that Jesus meant this in more than one way. Not just some of the fish you just caught, but three years earlier when I said, we're going to fish for people. Bring me some. That's, and I wonder if they were like, well, it's just us. We, haven't, we don't have anyone with us. And they're like, oh, we should have been fishing for people, not fishing. So Simon Peter climbs back in the boat. He drags the net ashore, and there was 153 fish, but the net didn't tear. It says, Jesus said, come have breakfast. That's crazy. He's like, come have breakfast. And the disciples, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came, he took bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. For some reason here, Jesus is quite obsessed with feeding these guys. But then he goes on in the next verse and he says something to Simon. He goes, hey, do you love me? And Simon goes, yeah, Jesus, I love you. And what does he say? Yeah, we'll feed my the fish. Yeah, what does he say? He says, "Feed my sheep." He's talking about food again. Can you hear it? Was he was he talking about this kind of food? No, no. He says, "Do you love me? Then feed my sheep." And what's this this crazy thing we see? And you can see it if you go back to Luke chapter five. We all see it in Matthew chapter 9 that when Jesus calls Matthew and Levi, and these were tax collectors, these were bad dudes, that, that when Jesus calls these people to be his disciples, in the very next verse, he's going with them to sit down and eat. Doesn't that sound real, real spiritual? What am I saying to you this morning? 
when you call people to be a disciple of you, wait, I'm supposed to call someone to be a disciple of me? Okay, let's rewind. Are you supposed to be like Jesus? Are you supposed to be like Jesus? I'll try one more time. Are you supposed to be like Jesus? Thank you. Did Jesus have disciples? Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So I'm going to try to look like Jesus, and you try to look like me, which means you'll do what? You'll start looking like Jesus too, and then you'll need to find other people say, hey, follow me. Look like me as I look like Jesus. And it happens over and over again. So what did Jesus do? He calls people, hey, follow me. Be my disciple. And the next thing you know, he's sitting down and he's eating with them. Why? Why sitting down and eating? It is important. You need food. You got to eat. But what happens when you sit down to eat with somebody? Fellowship, talking, you let your guard down. You listen a little more. Right? I'm going to tell you something. I'm a school teacher. At lunch, I lock my door. I don't want fellowship. Now, that isn't always the case. A couple years ago, these kids, they wiggled their way to my heart. Coach K, can we please eat with you at lunch? But that's, that's me time. It's the only 30 minutes of the day where I'm not around other people. Literally. Please, can we eat with you? All right. You can come eat with me. And guess what? We got pretty close. We had some pretty great conversations. They grew as, as young men and women as we did that to the point when one of them found out that he's like, oh my goodness, I've got this big issue that's come up in my life. He came to me to tell me first, hey, I need help. And we talked about what a man of God does in that situation. Go with me to Acts the second chapter, it's kind of like Luke because Luke wrote it. I know we were staying in Luke, but this is, just so you know, Acts is the sequel to Luke, if you're wondering how it all breaks down. It's not, I know it's not in order, but something happens, and you guys, being a spirit-filled church, a lot of us know about Acts chapter 2. It says, and when the day of Pentecost had fully arrived, They were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance and then what do they do? They spill out of the house. They start telling everybody in town about Jesus. They're speaking in their own languages and all this crazy stuff happens it's a crazy thing and as a result of this the gospel is preached the message of jesus christ is is preached the whole point being filled with the holy spirit is so the message of jesus christ can be empowered to be preached and this is what it says in verse 41 says those who received his word that was son peter got up and preached were baptized and they were added uh, that day, about 3,000 souls, 3,000 people gave their life to Christ that day. And it says, and they devoted themselves, get this, this is the response to the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And if I had time, we'd look at other places. This happens a lot. It said, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. What did they start doing? Start eating together. Why? 
Because you have closer fellowship with people that you eat with. If you'll start eating with someone regularly, you'll get to know them. And in this day and age, one of the travesties about the American home is people don't sit around at the dinner table and eat dinner together anymore. They used to, we'd all go in the living room and watch the TV. Now we just all get on our phones and hide in our corner. Get in our tablet, hide in our corner. I know I'm preaching to all of us right now. Come on. There's something important about sitting down together and eating. And that's not the only place there. Later on in this, in this same passage, it says that day by day they're attending the temple together, going to church together, and they're breaking bread in homes, and, and they receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, or daily as some script translations say, those who are being saved. There's something relational that happens when we sit down and eat together but this isn't just about food we know that in luke chapter 4 and if you still have your finger over luke you can flip over we know in luke chapter 4 the devil comes to tempt jesus how many remember that jesus he's in the wilderness he's fasting he was hungry one of the most profound scriptures in the bible you get hungry and the devil comes to to Jesus. And he tries to tempt him. And, and I'm going to actually turn there too. It wasn't my notes. But I want to I actually look here at it. In Luke chapter 4, it says this. It says in, in, in verse 2, it says, For 40 days he ate nothing, being tempted by the devil. Um, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they had ended... He was hungry, and the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Because, I mean, he can do miracles. And what does Jesus say? He says, It is written, and that's what's crazy. What does Jesus do? He goes to the Word. And I was telling those, my disciples this last week, I know it still sounds weird even to me to call them my disciples, but the guys I, that I'm walking through discipleship with, I was saying, you know, in the Bible when they were I've been telling everyone, say, I'm reminded. And you, it's just some language you like to use. It's to remind ourselves to talk about the Scripture and not talk about ourselves. Because when people come to us with problems, we just want to counsel them. Oh, well, bless your heart. You know, I one time, I was, and we want to give them some of man's wisdom, some of our wisdom. But your wisdom should always be based in the Word of God. It's okay to tell them something you went through, a testimony, but you should back it up with the Word of God. Like, you know what? I'm reminded, and then the Word, and then your testimony, right? That's, that'd be a good model. I'm not saying you have to do it that way, but I just think it's a really good thing to always go to the Word first. Jesus did it. He didn't say, I'm reminded. He said what? It is written. And this is what he said. He said, it is written, and I lost my place. It is written, man should not live by bread alone. You need the Word. What's he talking about there? What's he talking about there? He said, man shall not live by bread alone. It's every word. It's the Word of God. Um, go with me to, um, well, you don't have to go there. You can just, no. Um, in Luke chapter 11, when Jesus teaches us to pray, 
And, and by the way, I know I'm talking about food today, but in Luke chapter 11, it, I mean, is it in Luke chapter 11 or is it the Matthew one? But it, he's talking about when you pray. He also says when you fast. How many know there's a time to fast? That means don't eat food. I know I'm talking about food today, but there's a time to not eat food. There's a time to fast and, and something that you should think about how to get into your life regularly. Because Jesus said when you fast, not if you fast. But he said when you pray, pray like this. And in that prayer, he says this, give us this day our daily bread. And yeah, that when we pray that, we're talking about, Lord, give us the things we need the, this day to survive. And it actually can be bread, but it could be all sorts of things. And when I prayed, I also prayed, Lord, speak the word of God that I need to hear today. Yeah, God, thank you for pro providing. My job is from you. All the stuff that I have in my fridge is from you. But God, I also, I need you to provide me word to live by today. Give me this day my daily bread. There's an element of discipleship that comes when we eat the word, right? What did he tell the prophet? He said, here, eat the scroll, right? And there's this crazy thing that, that, that to eat the word, to eat the scroll, to devour the word of God so that it's deep inside of you. The word is, is bread. How are we doing over here? We, we should take a look here. Oh, what do, how are we cooking these? These are, right now they're about what? They're almost medium rare. How does that sound? Is, is that someone's jam right there? Should we pull one off right now? Some of you are like, if you're sharing little, I'll just take a bite. I don't know. We might need to pull one off right now and let another one keep going. Where's my, where's my well done people? Yeah. I don't know why you'd ruin meat like that. In Luke, the 24th chapter, if you want to go there. This is Jesus again. He's risen from the dead. And he is. There's these two disciples. They weren't one of the 12. They were just a couple of just a couple of disciples. They're walking along on the road to Emmaus. And this stranger pops in and starts talking to them. On the road to Emmaus. They don't recognize the guy. Turns out it's Jesus. They knew Jesus, but they weren't recognizing him in this moment. And as they're walking along, this is, says that Jesus, in verse uh, 30, it says, And Jesus began with Moses and all the prophets. He interpreted them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. What's he doing right here? It is written. He's reaching in the Word of God. He's teaching them from the Word everything concerning Christ. He's feeding them is what He's doing. He's discipling them is what He's doing. It says, so they drew near the village uh, which they were going to, and He act, acted as if He were going farther, but they urged Him strongly saying, stay with us, for it is toward the evening and the, the day is now far spent. So He went to stay with them, and when, the and when he was at the table with them, look, he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. So he takes the bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he gives it to them, which is a whole other sermon for another time. 
and their eyes were opened and they recognized him. When? When he gave him food. What? Like, that's so strange. But if you look back over the last three years, what you see is Jesus sitting down to eat with people a lot. A lot. And something happens, and I don't know if it's a supernatural thing or just whatever was going on here, but, but when he broke the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and gave it, their eyes were open, and then he vanished from their sight, and why they, they, they looked at each other and they said, did our, not, our hearts burn within us while he walked, or while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And that's a question I have for, for every person in this place when do you have someone that you can sit down with and you can open up the scriptures and your heart begin to burn within you? Because that's what a church should be. That's what discipleship should be. This, this word right here, this is not just some stale book that we read because we feel bad about our lives and we want to try to be a better person. This is the alive and active word of God. It is powerful. It will change your life. And when I sit down with other men and women of God and we begin to get in this every single time, my heart begins to burn within me because I know it testifies of my Lord and my Savior. What's funny is, is uh, right after this, oh, where am I, Luke 24? I, I just absolutely love this. Let me, let me flip over here. Um, did he not take one of those? He didn't want to do a medium rare? I mean, it's up to you, man. These two guys, they run back to tell the 12. Well, the 11 now. They run back to tell them. Why they're running back to tell them. Um, they get there, and as they're telling them about these things, in verse 36, it says, Jesus himself stands among them. He appears to them. And he said, peace to you. And they were startled and frightened, and they thought, they saw a spirit, and he said to them, why are you troubled, and why do, you, why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. He's, he's, for, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as, as you see I have. What he's trying to show them is that he was crucified, and now he is risen from the dead. And let can I tell you today, he is still risen from the dead today. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it, and he ate it before them. There's something relational that happens. with it. I don't even know why the writer included that, other than to say, listen, when you sit down and eat with people, it lets, they were freaking out. He was like, okay, everyone's freaking out. Um, let's eat. Everyone will calm down if we sit down and eat. When, when Aaron and I were going through marriage counseling, one of the things they told us is sometimes when you're having a disagreement, you have to halt. H-A-L-T. It means don't have a disagreement if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Right? If you're having a disagreement and you're hungry, just be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me go get something to eat. I'll come back to this, right? If you're angry, you're lonely, you're tired, these are, and then we've added, the acronym's quite long now. There's lots. <laughs> I can give it to you later if you want. Um, 
But what's, what's crazy is he does this, he sits down and eats, and then in verse 44, he says, then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the prophets, the promise of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. And I told the stories in reverse. Because after this is when we see the baptism of the Holy Spirit fall with fire. What I think is crazy is like, hey, give me something to eat. They eat, and then he opens, and I, don't, and I believe with all my heart that his, he didn't just magically open their minds to understand the scriptures. I believe he was like, okay. And they sat down, and he taught them. He discipled them again. He discipled them again. There's something that when we sit and we eat with people, it lets our guard down. And, and when I have people in my home to do discipleship guess what we do every time we eat because i think it's it's so good and i think if i were to be able to give an altar call today it would be invite someone over to your home to eat or ask them out to a mexican restaurant we've got one or two in town and ask them to eat sit down and eat with somebody Maybe someone from this church, if, if, if you've been like, man, I just don't know some of these people that are coming to this church, why don't you invite them to eat? That's my wife and I always, like, we reserve our Sunday afternoons to eat with people, different people in the church. That's our thing. You're like, well, you haven't eaten with us yet. Okay, well, come on, let's go eat together. Not because we just want to eat. It's because we want to get to know you. We want to be in a situation where we all just kind of let our guards down and and just be real with each other. And John 6, man, that it, it sounded really good over there. I should probably put a mic over there so we can catch that on the recording. If you're listening in right now, there's a sizzling steak going on right next to me, and it smells delicious. In Luke chapter 9, it's also found in John 6. Jesus feeds the 5,000, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the, the whole account there. But Jesus does this thing where, where he kind of tests his disciples, the Scripture says, and he says, all right, there's 5,000 people, and they don't have enough food. And Jesus says, all right, what do we have? And they have, what, five loaves and two fish? Jesus, Jesus ate more fish. He ate lots of fish. Jesus liked fish. That's why he said I'll make you fishers of men. Five loaves and two fish. Here we go. And they feed the masses with just this little bit of food. And they have so much left over. What was it? Twelve baskets of food left over at the end? Whoa! And the Scripture tells us Jesus had to get out of there because they were going to forcibly make Him king. Why? Because that's a great welfare program. For real, here's a guy that can magically feed us. He can do miracles. Let's make this guy king. 
So Jesus tries to go off by himself. And what scripture tells us is he goes off by himself when he gets, uh, some other crazy stuff happens in the middle of that, but when he gets over to where he's going, someone sees him and recognizes him and spreads word. That guy that did the food thing, he's over here. And people show up. Why? Because they wanted Jesus or because they wanted food? They wanted food. They wanted food. And can I tell you, when you invite people into your life for discipleship, sometimes they just show up because they just want food. You know, that's okay. Because what Jesus turns around and does is He gives them real food. He says, you want food? I am the bread of life. If, if, you, if you really want the kingdom of God in your life, you're going to have to eat my body. You're going to have to drink my blood. Which was weird to say. And here in a moment, we're going to be taking communion together. And it offended people. Wait, you're not just going to feed us? Moses, he did miracles and fed people. And all we get is you? And many people were offended and turned away. And that's why I'm always saying that when we call people into our lives to be a disciple, some people will not stay because they don't, they don't want to pay the price. Jesus offends them. They want just to be, they just want to look good or feel religious or feel like they're doing the right thing. But Jesus wants your entire life. And some people will turn away. And it breaks my heart Every time when someone's like, ah, that's not for me. But I know it happened to Jesus too. It's going to happen. If everyone around you is always completely accepting of your message of Jesus Christ, I have to question your message of Jesus Christ. Because it wasn't a fluffy, nice message that everyone can accept. And to be real blunt, Jesus doesn't need their acceptance. They need him. They need the living water. They need the bread of life. And some will not take it. Some will not take it. That's all John chapter 6 if you're looking for that and taking notes. I'm also reminded in Luke chapter 10, and I'm, I'm almost done, um, in Luke chapter 10, and, and this is the story of Mary and Martha. And he comes to their home. And Mary sits at the feet of, she cho chooses relationship, and Martha chooses busyness of work. And what does Jesus say to Martha about Mary? That what? She's chosen good thing that cannot be taken away it's not saying that working is bad we have to work and do stuff but there's something about one sitting at the feet of jesus and building a relationship with him but if i look like jesus if i'm an imitator of jesus then i'm going to invite people into my life to sit and talk with me and just so like people get real freaked out about that still you must think you're something no I just want more people to look like Jesus. 
I want you to get to the place where you can tell other people, hey, come and sit with me because I look like Jesus. Because I want you to look like Jesus. I want you to be just like me. And we know if we look, and you can just write these down, in Matthew chapter 9 and Luke chapter 5, Jesus is criticized. He's criticized because he goes and eats with some really bad people. Sinners. Tax collectors, which to this day we don't like tax collectors much, right? Um, But back then it was even worse because tax collectors were basically (laughs) traitors. They were basically thieves. They would take more than they were supposed to. People hated tax collectors back then. Prostitutes, drunks, these are the kind of people Jesus went and had dinner with. And he was criticized by the religious crowd for it. But I would, I'm also reminded that Jesus also had dinner with the religious crowd. And that's sometimes forgotten too. And we all know people who are overly legalistic they're overly they're so bent on being religious for the sake of keeping the rules that they're not actually getting a hold of christ himself and jesus also came for them we we see it in uh luke chapter 15 in the story of the prodigal son the prodigal son runs away he'd be like the prostitutes and thieves he comes home and what does the father do for the prodigal son when he returns he kills the fattened calf and they have a party some proper steak finally in the bible showing full forgiveness for us when we run away from the lord when we return the father's there to restore us to our sonship but what does the older religious brother do? This is not fair. You never let me have a calf. You never let me have a steak dinner with my friends. And I think it's interesting because what the father does is he doesn't say, well, he just needs to get his act together. No, the father goes out to the religious son. And he says, look, these many years, or the son said, look, these many years I have served you. And I've never disobeyed your command. He's so religious. And you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And, And the father says to him, son, you are always with me. All that is mine, it is yours. And I can't help but think in that is, if you want to have a party with your friends, Let's have a party. But you've made this about you. The reason we obey the commands of the Lord isn't so that we are great. It's because we love our Father. Amen? How many love your Father? Your heavenly Father is here. And we see the same thing with Jesus in Luke chapter 14. Jesus actually goes to the house of religious people knowing that they're probably going to try to corner him on some religious discussion. He goes to eat to have religious discussion. I think he was discipling them. In fact, it says in Luke 14, it says, One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, 
they were watching him carefully. And Jesus knew that. And then what he does is he sits there and he starts to tell three different parables, all which have to do with food and feasting. Let me, let me talk to you in a way you can understand. And the point of those parables are all about don't be proud, be humble before the king. Because he's having a feast and only the humble get to come. I think it's funny that Jesus, in Luke chapter 19, he meets a short man. I will not ask you to raise your hand if you know any short people. You know Zacchaeus? He was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. And he can't see Jesus coming, so he climbs up in a tree to try to see Jesus. And Jesus walks up, he says, Zacchaeus, you come down. Or I'm going to your house today. Or I'm going to your house today. Is it done? Huh? Are they medium? Mm. Yeah, I just like steak. Just, just let me, I can smell it. I can smell it. Jesus invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. And Zacchaeus, in that moment, has such a transforming thing happen in his heart with that interaction of Jesus by Jesus coming to his house to eat with him that it changes his life. To where Zacchaeus, who was a, he was a tax collector, he was a thief. He says, you know what? Everything I've stolen, I'm going to return. And, and people that I've taken money from, I'm going to return to them fourfold, I think is what the scripture says. Talk about having a revelation of Christ. All through Jesus saying, hey, I'm coming over. And my question is for you is, who do you need to invite out to dinner soon? Well, I've been really trying and praying for so-and-so. They need to see Jesus. Keep praying for him, but Jesus, he never said pray that the, the harvest would come in. He'd say pray for the laborers to be sent out. And who's a laborer for Christ in here today? Me. That means I need to pick up the phone and say, hey, so-and-so who doesn't know Jesus. I wouldn't say that to them. Um, I was wondering if I'd come over to your house to eat today. Now, that might be awkward in our culture today, but maybe you'd say, maybe you can come over to my house to eat, or maybe we can go meet up at one of the couple of Mexican restaurants in town. Let's go grab a taco. Let's just talk. Because there's something about that. Probably the most famous meal in the Bible is found in Luke, the 22nd chapter. And this is the Last Supper. And there's a lot of really funny things that happen through here. But what we see in this Last Supper, if you look during this time, Jesus, this is where in verses 14 through 18, this is where Jesus will institute the Lord's Supper. This is where Jesus will have us take the bread and take the cup. 
to remember the Lord's death till he comes. And um, if I can actually get elders, you guys can come and start preparing our our elements here this morning. Because um, we're going to take communion together here in just a second. But Jesus does something else very interesting during this time at the Lord's Supper. He serves his disciples. This question comes up as who is the greatest? But you've got to be banging your head against the wall if you're Jesus. Like, for years, he's been telling people, if you want to be first, you've got to be last. If you want to be the greatest, you've got to be the humblest. And still, in his last meal, but these guys, they're like, so uh, who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom, Lord? Man, and Jesus is like, you know what? I'm going to show these guys. So Jesus does something that we don't do in our culture today anymore. But he takes a dish and he begins to wash their feet. And that was an important thing back then. Because they will run around in sandals all the time and through the dusty streets where there's dung and all these other things that go on. And when you enter in someone's home, a proper thing to do is wash their feet. Your servant would wash their feet. So what Jesus does, the greatest among them, is he gets down and he washes their feet. Serving them. Trying to give them an example of what true leadership looks like. It's not about trying to be the best. It's trying to serve one another in a way. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Corinthians are they're having the Lord suffer, but they're doing it wrong. And when the Corinthian church came together, they were having the Lord's Supper, and it, would, it was kind of like the potluck we're doing today. But instead of a potluck, people were just bringing their own Lord's Supper with them and leaving other people out. It'd be kind of like if I walked over here and started digging into the steak and not sharing with any of you guys, which there's a lot of you really hoping I don't do that. But I'm going to tell you right now, it looks... I don't think in the history of this church we've ever had dead cow in the front of the church. It's a sacrifice. But this is what Paul says to the Corinthian church. He says, but in following instructions, I do not commend you. He said, you're not doing a good job, guys. Because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worst. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you. And I believe in part for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No. He's saying the reason, part of the reason your church is so divided is 
You got a little group over here eating their little meal, their little Lord's Supper meal, and you're, letting everybody, you're keeping everybody else out. Can you imagine if we went over next door today and said, okay, this is for us, and you guys, you don't get any. Teenagers, you don't get to eat anything because you didn't bring anything. I should have brought something. <laughs> no, we wouldn't do that. That's not the heart of Christ, and that's, that's what Paul is saying in his church. He's not saying you should eat together. Actually, in this passage, he says, just, if you're going to do that, do it in your homes. Just eat in your homes. But I believe if he saw this, he said, if you are going to eat together, eat together. And when he says, when you take the Lord's Supper, do it together as a church, as a body, because it's relational. Together we're remembering what the Lord has done. So we've always done communion a little bit different here, different ways at different times. And, and we've never insisted that anyone have to be a member of this church to take communion. Part of that is, is we don't have an official membership role. Um, but we invite everyone to take the Lord's Supper with us. Because we believe that as you do that, you can remember what Jesus did. And you, it ha- you could be saved. Not from the little bread and cup but through recognizing the Lordship of Jesus Christ that you need in your life, you can be saved this morning. And so the way we're doing it this morning is we're going we're gonna to do it very much the way Paul said. We're going to wait on each other, and we're going to all take this together. So if you guys would pass out the elements and just give us a moment as we do this, and I'm not going to ask the worship team to come. I'm going to ask that we bring the children back over, if someone would mind. Go and get the kids. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.